0: There were two more murders, 15 miles away. When police Lincoln, arrived, cetera, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. murder. During the time of outlaws, train robberies, and gunfights, there was none as popular as Jesse James. On April 3rd, 1882, the famous bandit took his last breath when a member of his gang turned on him to get the reward money. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Jesse Woodson James was born on September 5, 1847 in Clay County, Missouri, an area referred to as Little Dixie, due to being settled by people from the upper South. His father farmed commercial hemp and was a Baptist minister before moving to Missouri, and, after he married, Hout found the William Jewell College in Liberty not really the father you'd expect the famous American outlaw to be raised by. Unfortunately, after heading to California during the gold rush and dying when Jesse was just three years old and the brewing of the American Civil War, his life began taking a much different turn. The James family, due in large part to the Missouri farmer's reliance on black slaves, sided with the Confederacy. His older brother even joining a local company and fighting in the Battle of Wilson's Creek in August of 1861 before falling ill and returning home where, in 1863, he was identified as a member of a Confederate guerrilla squad operating in Clay County, one that was responsible for a number of atrocities, including a massacre in Kansas that took the lives of around 200 or so men and boys. In May of that same year, a Union militia raided the James home looking for Frank's group. They tortured and briefly hanged Reuben Samuel, the boy's stepfather, and reportedly lashed young Jesse. Jesse, in his short lifetime, had seen tragedy, war, and violence, something that was undoubtedly shaping him as a human being. Soon, 16-year-old Jesse was joining his brother's guerrilla group, known as Bushwhackers, began following William Condrill and Bloody Bill Anderson, and was accused of participating in horrific acts against Union soldiers and abolitionists, including the 1864 Centralia massacre that saw the death of 22 Union soldiers, some of which were scalped and dismembered. And later, Frank would identify Jesse as a member of the band who fatally shot Major Johnson on top of the hundreds of Union soldiers and sympathizers who the guerrillas killed together. Because of the brothers' activities, the Union military forced the family to leave Clay County and move south beyond Union lines. They didn't quite make it as far as they were told, settling to the nearby state border into Nebraska territory. After Bloody Bill was killed in an ambush that October, The James brothers separated, Frank following Quantrill into Kentucky and Jesse heading to Texas to follow the command of Archie Clement, a lieutenant of Bloody Bills, but returning the following spring to Missouri. While away from Frank, 17-year-old Jesse received a second life-threatening injury when he was shot in the chest while trying to surrender to a Union cavalry. As the Civil War came to an end and much of the world remained divided, Jesse recovered from his injury and began a nine-year courtship and marriage to the woman who nursed him back to health, his first cousin, Sorelda Mims. When Jesse attempted to get back on his feet, Archie Clement kept his bushwhacker gang active and began targeting the Republican authorities and committing the first daylight armed bank robberies that resulted in the death of an innocent bystander that, to this day, historians are divided on if the James brothers partook in. They were, however, involved in the release of former members of Quantrill's gang, that cost a jailer his life in 1866. From this point on, James and Frank, along with various other gangs of outlaws, began robbing banks, stagecoaches, and trains all across the Midwest, and somehow, despite the brutality of their crimes, gained a popular Robin Hood-esque reputation. Soon, the pair formed the James Younger Gang, which, from 1866 to 1876 saw a lot of new members, including the addition of Cole Younger in 1968. A number of deaths, a handful of bank robberies, a desperate desire to end their reign of terror, and a fair amount of celebrity. While many saw them as heroes, robbing from big banks and taking money from the rich, many of the banks that they robbed were local branches, where the locals they claimed to support were penalized. The gang really gained popularity in December of 1869 when Jesse and more than likely Frank robbed the Davies County Savings Association in Missouri that got them very little money but saw a daring escape and saw the death of cashier Captain John Sheets who Jesse mistook for the militia officer who killed Bloody Bill. The robbery earned the posse their first newspaper coverage and from then on Jesse James's name became synonymous with historical outlaws and the Old West. Now labeled an outlaw, a reward was placed on his head by the Missouri governor, which led to an alliance between Jesse and John Newman Edwards, the editor and founder of the Kansas City Times and former Confederate who was campaigning to return the former secessionist to power. He began publishing letters from Jesse James to the public not only asserting his innocence, but attempting to paint him as a wartime hero who was trying to restore the South, becoming a symbol for the Confederate defiance of the Republican policy and enhancing his notoriety. By 1874, people had had enough of the James Younger band, and the Pinkerton National Detective Agency was brought in to cease their reign of terror. But because of the support they had from many, the Jameses were able to elude the Pinkertons for quite some time, making them get a little desperate. At some point, an agent was able to infiltrate his mother's farm and soon was found dead. Two other agents were killed after being sent to the Youngers, but just before dying, one agent got in a fatal shot to John Younger. Soon, Alan Pinkerton, the agency's founder, made it his personal mission to find and stop the gang and began working with a former unionist who lived near the James' family farm. On January 25th, 1875, he staged a raid on the home that resulted in an explosion, the death of James's younger half-brother and the loss of one of his mother's arms, which blew off in the blast. Allen would later say that the explosion was unintentional, but a biographer found a letter that claimed he declared, quote, burn the house down before beginning the raid. Citizens were outraged. Though not everyone saw Jesse and his brother as heroes, no one was happy that a raid took place on a family home. The Missouri state legislature just narrowly stopped a bill that praised the James and Younger brothers and planned on offering them amnesty. And now allowed to vote again, former Confederates voted to limit the size of the reward offered for a fugitive's capture, making it less desirable to stop the gang and minimizing the incentives. On September 7th, 1876, the gang attempted the robbery of the First National Bank of Northfield in Minnesota. But the robbery quickly went awry, resulting in almost the entire gang being either killed or captured, leaving just Frank and Jesse, who fled and surfaced later in the year in Nashville, Tennessee under assumed names. Here, Frank had attempted to settle down, tired of being constantly on the run. But Jesse longed to continue his crime spree, and soon found himself forming a new gang in 1879. Unfortunately for Jesse, these men were not the wartime guerrillas he was used to, and soon the men either turned against each other or were easily captured by authorities. Jesse grew suspicious of his new followers and began scaring them off out of fear for his life before moving his family back to Missouri in November of 1881, while Frank settled in Virginia. Now that the gang was all but completely annihilated, Jesse found himself in the company and trust of brothers Charlie and Robert Ford, and for his protection, he asked the brothers to move in with him and his family. What Jesse didn't know was that Robert Ford had been conducting several secret negotiations with the Missouri governor in hopes of turning Jesse in and getting the prize money for himself. On April 3rd, 1882, after eating breakfast the Ford brothers and the James family went into the living room to prepare for their travel to Platte City for a robbery. Jesse had learned through the newspaper that a gang member had admitted to participating in a murder and was suspicious that the Ford brothers had not told him about it. Realizing that the Fords were about to betray him, or so the story goes, Jesse walked into the living room, laid his revolver on the sofa, turned around and noticed a dusty photo on the mantel. As he stood on a chair to clean it, with his back facing Robert Ford, he pulled out his weapon and shot an unarmed Jesse James in the back of the head. When news of the notorious outlaw's death broke, the nation went crazy, especially when the Fords made no attempt to conceal their involvement in his death. Robert simply wired the governor and asked for his reward money and surrendered to the authorities. To their shock, they were charged with first-degree murder, And in the course of just one day, the Fords were indicted, pleaded guilty, were sentenced to death by hanging, and were granted a full pardon by the governor who so desperately wanted Jesse James dead. They received a small portion of the reward money and fled Missouri only to later be found starring in a touring state show reenacting the infamous shooting. When Jesse James was laid to rest in a cemetery in Kearney, the stone marking his death read, "'In loving memory of my beloved son,' murdered by a traitor and a coward whose name is not worthy to appear here. Though his body was identified by officials, there have been rumors for years that the outlaw somehow cheated death, that Robert Ford killed someone else, and it was all an elaborate plot for Jesse to avoid the approaching justice. The rumor was so strong that in 1995, the body of Jesse James was exhumed and underwent DNA typing. The results show that the remains were, undoubtedly, that of the famous outlaw. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to What Terrible Thing Happened on April 4th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime-obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.